Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and this episode is Q&A number 56. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks to Precision Hydration for sponsoring this episode. We've talked before about how Precision Hydration recommend separating your nutrition and hydration, which means basically not carrying liquid calories. And uh, this enables you to adjust the amount of hydration that you take on, which uh, can very highly based on the conditions like if it's a very warm day you'll be sweating a lot more and uh, you can then adjust that completely separate from the amount of calories you ingest which of course you couldn't if you had your your calories in your bottle in liquid form and the calories are more fixed they're based on your intensity and the, the upper limit of what you can absorb and some other factors so uh, so that it makes sense to try to not have them be dependent variables on each other uh, and this is something that you can read more about on precisionhydration.com on their blog uh, so check it out and you can also Get a free hydration plan, which is based on a validated sweat test in from real-world data. But you can get uh, that sort of plan based on just answering a few simple questions in a quiz format. So go and check it out. And if you want to try a box of book, box or tube of electrolytes for free, use the promo code DEATTRAFLONSHOW, all one word, all caps. And thank you to Roka for sponsoring the podcast. Roka are the world leaders in wetsuits and trisuits, swimskins and high-performance eyewear. And one of my favorite pieces of technology in the Roka lineup are the wetsuits and trisuits, and especially with their arms-up technology that they have both in wetsuits and trisuits. And this allows you to swim more comfortably with less restriction on shoulder mobility. And the super impressive thing about this technology is that Roka have, has this technology in all their wetsuits, including the entry-level wetsuits. So it's not just the high-end wetsuits that benefit from this. So you'll feel really good even in their entry-level wetsuits. So go and check out all Roka's products on roka.com and use the promo code TTS, all caps, to get your order for 20% off. So on to today's questions. The first one is from Everett in Portland, Oregon, who writes, Hi, Michael. Uh, I'm a recent and but big fan of your podcast. I'm slowly going through the archives, so please forgive me if this particular question has been addressed. I've heard and agree with the phrase train like you race regarding nutrition. It obviously is part of the training process to experience what your body feels like while fueling. My question is, which workouts would, should incorporate fueling for, fueling for practice? Is it related to intensity or, uh, or duration? I'm not overly worried about it, but I'm training for my first half marathon and I'm not sure if I should be guzzling gel, gels before or even during workouts. I'm planning on having a gel beforehand and possibly during the race itself, but so far I've not felt like I need the nutrition to complete my training. Any thoughts you have would be wonderful. Thanks, Everett, for your question. First off, I do have an old episode that goes into great detail on this topic. And when I say old, it's still highly relevant. It's evergreen content, uh, but uh, it's back in episode 100. So it was some time ago. I'll link to it in the episode description. But to give you a summary and answer your questions here, uh, first uh, to touch on your race nutrition. Even if you don't need to consume a gel during your half marathon to complete it, you will most probably get some benefit from doing it. So depending on your speed, I would say that two gels for a half marathon is a pretty good amount. 
if you're going to be out there for closer to two hours or more, then I'd say that you might want to take even a third gel during that race. But two gels as a starting point is uh, is pretty good. And if you're going to go for this strategy that I recommend, then yes, you need to practice it in some of your workouts. A train-like race, as you say, it does have a lot of validity to it. It's very true. And you will probably be doing several longer runs with segments of race pace in them. And in these workouts, you should definitely incorporate your race nutrition strategy. If that is two gels, then have two gels in these workouts. For a half marathon, you are not necessarily doing any ridiculously long runs. So for your uh, easier long runs, if you feel fine without taking on energy, you probably are fine. Uh, at least if you also feel good the next day in training. Because remember that, remember that we don't fuel just for the workout that we're currently in, but also to perform in the workouts to follow. Although that being said, this is super relevant for triathletes. And well, it's relevant for everybody, but it's... Uh, much more of a concern for triathletes that train free disciplines and generally higher training volume for single sport athletes you generally have an easier time refueling and uh, restocking glycogen after workouts uh, between workouts than triathletes have without necessarily consuming energy in the workouts themselves so you have it a little bit easier compared to if you were training for a triathlon as for your intense workouts, I would say same sort of thing. If you feel fine in them and they are 60 to 75 minutes or so, no need to take on energy in them. Although I would say that it doesn't hurt to do it either as that gives you some additional gut training uh, in absorbing energy when you're working at a very high intensity. But if you don't have any issues with uh, performance in those workouts, then those long runs with race specificity that I already talked about may be enough of gut training for you, especially if you're only planning on taking on like two gels for the half marathon. And this is something, again, where I need to point out the difference compared to triathlon. Uh, because doing a half marathon with two gels, that's an entirely different ball game from an Ironman with uh, around 300 calories per hour or so, uh, which uh, generally requires a whole lot more preparation to make sure your gut, gut is fine with, with that amount. And uh, to answer the, generally your question about whether the fueling during workouts is related to duration or intensity, well, it's related to both. For example, if you're going out for two hours or longer for a run, I would definitely recommend having some energy with you. Even 90 minutes, uh, that's actually the general recommendation you'll find in most official guidelines. Uh, you could take on energy. I don't think you have to. I think you should play it by ear. If you don't feel any loss of performance by not taking on energy for 90 minutes, by all means, no need to do so at all. Uh, you're not going to, do, to dig too deep into your glycogen stores anyway. Again, especially since you're a single sport athlete, so you have more time to, uh, to refuel between workouts. If you are going for a two-hour workout, that's probably the point where I would say that even if you feel okay, it might make sense to start taking on energy to get a head start on replenishing glycogen. On the intensity side of things, if you do something like a 90-minute run that includes uh, intensity, let's say, for example, a 45-minute tempo segment, that's going to use up a lot of energy a lot of glycogen so for that workout i would recommend consuming some energy if you are doing an intense workout that's in the 60 to 75 minute range and you don't experience any loss in performance then again no need to consume energy but in case you do a really hard workout even in that time time range then generally having a gel could help you perform better in the latter parts of the workouts 
So if nothing else, it could be worth experimenting with and see if you have better performances in those workouts. In all of these cases that we have discussed, when like about actually taking on energy during the workout, we're talking about specifically during the workout. You mentioned taking a gel before the half marathon, which you can absolutely do. It's uh, a good idea. But uh, when practicing this aspect of, uh, of training and racing, like gut training, taking on energy and absorbing energy, we want to practice that actually consuming it while we're working out. Uh, that said, you obviously shouldn't go into a workout, at least not a long or intense one, uh, depleted. But in general, if you have had a meal two to four hours before the workout, then maybe just by having a, a snack, perhaps a banana with some peanut butter in the hour before the workout should make sure that you go into the workout with really good energy levels. And for more on that before the workout part, as well as on the during and after part, again, be sure to check out episode 100, uh, Nutrition Before, During and After Workouts, that I'll link to in the show notes. Thanks for your question, Eret, and good luck with your half marathon. The next question is from Thomas in Austria slash Australia. So I assume either Austrian living in Australia or the other way around. Difficult to say. Either way, uh, Thomas writes, Hi, Michael. Love your podcast and uh, just as much your strength training plan. My coach suggested to get back onto weight training. And I have, I have to say that since I started your plan, it really helps keeping the body together and strong. To my question, I have been listening to all of your podcasts and read forums about LCHF, etc. Uh, regard, irrespective of my opinion about uh, cutting down macros in general, I wonder why nobody ever talks about how different body types affect ideal diet. For example, someone who tends to carry a bit of extra weight uh, may be all right cutting back on some macronutrients, uh, for example, change the ratio between uh, fats and carbs. However, if someone like me who is uh, 5 to 5.5% body fat on the home scale and does not tend to put on weight starts doing the same thing, the consequences might be very different. Do you think there should be or is a relation between the classic body types, ecto, endo and mesomorphs and diet in triathlon? Thanks for your question, Thomas. It's a really interesting one. Uh, I will start with uh, a disclaimer here. This is Definitely, I've, I would almost say more of a pure diet and nutrition question, uh, although, yeah, we do, uh, I guess, tackle it from the perspective of triathlon, but it's uh, pretty skewed towards like really the nutrition side. So I'm absolutely not the most qualified person to answer this. That would be a really good nutritionist and or registered dietitian, but uh, I'll give my opinion. I'm not saying that it's an answer, but it's my opinion. Uh, so... In terms of whether there should be a difference, let's first start by defining the body types for uh, listeners that may not know. Endomorphs are people that are thin. They don't put on weight easily or bulk up easily for that matter. And if they have gained weight, they can lose that weight easily as well. Ectomorphs are more of the stocky type. They can put on weight easily, whether it's fat or muscle mass. And when they have gained weight, they don't lose it very easily. And mesomorphs are somewhere in between these two. So in principle, I would say that it makes sense that we should eat differently based on body type. And if you spend five seconds on a bodybuilding forum, uh, you'll definitely see discussions about it. Uh, you'll see something like my body type is X. What, is, what should I eat? Uh, so it is practice in some sports. That said, bodybuilding is by far the most extreme sport when it comes to nutrition. So maybe not the best sport to model. Uh, 
and like the second thing I want to mention is that I know that I'm very guilty of this myself and guilty specifically of perhaps inspiring this mistake. But, but I think that there is uh, too much focus on macros and macronutrient ratios. Uh, and we're making things more complex than they need to be when it comes to nutrition. So I think that we should be focusing a bit more on the food side of things and a bit less on the macros side of things uh, to really make things actually applicable and actionable. Uh, and so this is all, like if you go and muddy the waters even further by saying that you shouldn't just be like eating a certain macronutrient uh, breakdown in terms of percentages, but uh, you need to adjust that based on your body type and and make things even more complex then i think that yeah we're not making things any easier for people we're opening up another pandora's box and causing even more confusion uh, but i do have two things to say on this topic uh, one i think that endomorphs probably should pay quite a bit more attention to protein in particular making sure that they get enough uh, so endomorphs again being that thin type that don't put on weight easily and don't put on muscle mass easily uh, number two, uh, there is research coming out on genetic differences in how we metabolize different macronutrients and uh, and even food groups. So, and I'm not like too intimately familiar with this research. I think it may be relevant information in the future. I'm not aware that the body of evidence is super strong yet. So, uh, but take that for what it is. I don't follow the field very intimately. Uh, if these genetic differences are correlated to body type, which they well could be, then perhaps once we get that strong body of evidence, my recommendation will be that, yeah, we should probably look at how we eat based on body type because that's probably related to genetics and it's been proven to, uh, there's been proven to be something to that. But I don't know if that is something that research has already been looking into so or not. So I can't really comment further whether the body type and uh, genetics aspects to how we, uh, how we metabolize different food or macronutrients and food groups, how, how that is impacted by, by those two factors. But uh, with those two things said regarding the body types, uh, I'm moving on to some uh, general statements or opinions here. So I said already that I don't think that nutrition has to be as complex as we make it out to be. Calories in, calories out holds true more or less. There are some small caveats like the thermic effect of food, which by the way is uh, very high for protein, like 20 to 30%. Uh, carbs around 5 to 10% and fats up to 5%. Uh, so uh, that's quite interesting stats to think about. When, when we consume protein, we use a lot of energy to actually even just digest it. Uh, research studies and the meta-analysis have found that if you control for your net calorie balance and for protein intake, you can be on a low-carb diet or on a low-fat diet, and the weight change will be the same. So in terms of weight loss, total calories, or I should say net calories, as well as protein, are the things to focus on. And protein is important here because in periods of weight loss, adequate protein intake will help preserve your lean muscle mass. If you're trying to lose weight, then start with a good protein intake, for example, something like two grams per kilogram body weight, weight per day, and make sure they are from quality sources. And then next, focus on good, healthy, nutritious, unprocessed food to make up the rest of your caloric goal and uh, see how that works for a while. If you find it difficult to achieve the caloric deficit you're targeting, then maybe adjusting the carb-fat ratios can help it become easier whichever way you may be adjusting things 
And this is definitely something that is highly individual. It could be related to body type. I just don't know, so I can't tell, but I, I can tell that it's individual. So, so you need to apply some trial and error there. And the same sort of principle if you're trying to gain lean mass, for example. Start from protein, then set your caloric goal and reach that caloric goal with a, a good varied mix of quality unprocessed food. See how that works. And in this scenario, if, for example, you're gaining weight, but the weight you gain is not lean mass, then you should increase your protein intake, but reduce the intake from fats and carbs until the weight that you gain is actually lean mass. And this assumes, of course, that you're also doing the right type of training to, to gain lean mass. But to wrap up, I think that if we focus as much on food as we focus on macros, and uh, what I mentioned there is... Uh, I mentioned unprocessed nutrient-dense foods from quality sources. Also, I don't think there's any need to restrict or eliminate macros or food groups unless there are special reasons like allergies or ethical reasons, etc. Uh, but uh, if we focus as much on food as, as macros, then we will be doing really, really well on that very diet consisting of high-quality foods from high-quality sources, avoiding processed food, and uh, that will make get us 90% of the way there. And uh, I would recommend, I would highly recommend uh, the book The Endurance Diet by Matt Fitzgerald. It's great, it's practical, and it really helps focus on food more than macros and calories. So I highly recommend that. So that's uh, a very indirect answer to your question, Thomas. I'm very aware of that. Uh, but uh, the honest uh, answer is that I don't think that I have the knowledge to say that we should be changing uh, diets based on ecto, endo, and mesomorphs. This is what I would uh, would say say to you or say to one of my coached athletes if they asked me this question. That uh, I think that we're already making things complex enough, enough, and there really is we're moving into marginal gains. And I don't think that for most athletes that that's something that we need to do. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A. I will link in the episode description to episode 100 that I mentioned on nutrition before, during and after workouts. And also to a page where I have collected all of the nutrition-related episodes that I've done for the podcast as this was a nutrition-related Q&A. If you haven't already listened to the episode that was released on Monday, make sure you go back and do that. There was also a listener question, in fact, that we turned into a full hour-long discussion around fatigue in training, which uh, we had uh, with all scientific triathlon coaches, uh, James, Lucky, and myself. So that was a really good one, and I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did not listen to it yet, go back and listen to it, because it was a good one. Big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Uh, go and get a free hydration plan and try your first box or tube of electrolytes for free with the promo code Show, all one word, all caps. And thank you to Roka. You can find wetsuits, dry suits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear all designed to make you faster, perform to the highest standards, and you can get 20% off your entire order with the promo code TTS, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.